Welcome to the Liberty Room. That's right, the Liberty Room, where conservatives can speak their minds with all the freedoms guaranteed by our beloved Constitution. The Liberty Room with me, the one, the only, the Jim Wood. And then sitting next to me, my friend, my brother, my fellow American red, white, and blue patriot, that high-flying tall drinker, how do you do, Dwight. So for the next hour or so, strap in, hold on, but don't hold back when you're hanging with us in the Liberty Room. Hey, Dwight. What's going on, buddy? It's not 2 o'clock in the morning like it was last week. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Man, that was rough. So our friend Jeff gave us some feedback. He said it was good. He enjoyed it. But don't ever do that again. Jeff, we understand how you truly feel. <laughs> we apologize. Something about you know, letting down the entire Stanton, Virginia Police Department and how they rely on us and how we just let them down. We did. We'll never do that again. Ever. <sighs> oh, well. No. There wasn't enough coffee in the world to keep me awake. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I love coffee, but yeah. man, that was... Well, we are in a different time in the studio this week. Yes. It's a little bit more upbeat. We got plenty to talk about, that's yes, for do. sure. But you know the first thing we got to talk about? You. No, not yet. Me? Well, there's plenty of that coming on. How about me? Well, we might get around to you before the end of the episode. Oh, oh I, know, I know. There's so much me that I don't know sure that we'll ever get to that. <laughs> well, I know what we should uh, talk okay. about. Okay, what should we talk about? We should welcome all of our listeners, including Jeff. Well, since you brought it up, please go ahead and take it yourself. Welcome, everybody, to the Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight. Because I'm drinking more coffee. Keep going. Yes, you are. The smooth sounds coming to your ear to tickle it. Okay, yeah. that's why you don't do the intro. No, because you're just much better. I uh, know. Welcome, everybody, to the Liberty Room. This week's podcast episode, we're working on it at not 2 a.m. in the morning, so it might be a little more lively than it was last week. Here we are. We got a pot of coffee and uh, a, a, a computer full of stuff to talk about. And, oh, yeah. You know, and then there's always me. There, it's always the Jim Wood. You know, why is it always about you? Why? Do, do you have the before your name? I could. But you don't. So therefore, it's always about moi. I'm going to go to GoDay.com, <laughs> get my domain, <laughs> thedwightwilliams.com. Yeah, see, that's a title you got to earn, my friend. It's a, <laughs> that's right. It's a, it's a lot to live up to. Well, I'll just I'll just yield to your, your graciousness, see. your... Your exalted highness. All right. You can bow later. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of the formalities. And we <laughs> want to inform everybody, thelibertyroom.com. That's the website to go to, to share with all your friends so that everything about the Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight, it will contact you, contact you, connect you, well, if I can get it, the word out. It won't out. contact you. Well, uh, maybe you contact us. Maybe it's a little too much coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. It will connect you uh, through links to all your favorite podcast providers, uh, our partners in the podcast world, such as iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and many others that I just know I always leave out. Overcast. Overcast. All of them that we are so happy to partner with that get the word of the Liberty Room out to the masses. See how did see that's lively. It's full of energy. It was, you know, it was informative. I should find the applause. So Jeff, just chill, man. We're back. We're back stronger than ever. Also, don't forget every Wednesday night. If you don't, if you can't get enough of us on the podcast, then every Wednesday night, Wednesdays with Jim, the conversation show, where you can be part of the conversation. But Jim leads the conversation. Well, somebody's got to be in charge. and in, Why not you? In this room full of children, there has to be an adult. And you have a the before your name. That I makes have, you in charge. That makes me in charge. So therefore, go to thejimwood.com and that will link you. 
to all five platforms of social media where the Wednesdays with Jim show is spread across the world Mm -hmm. through a simulcast of Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Telegram. So if you get kicked off of Facebook because those fact checkers think that your truth is not the the truth, even though it really is, Mm -hmm. um, then don't worry, just go on over to YouTube. We're over there hanging out too. A number of us have had to do that lately. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we've got some backups when it comes to Twitter, Twitch, and Telegram. So there's plenty of social media platforms out there mm-hmm. where every Wednesday night you can be part of the conversation. And one more place people should go as well. Where's that? Uh, com. Now, what would you find on com? You'll see Jim in a suit. Well, it, I had to draw the line at the time. <laughs> okay. So it's a sport jacket and nice shirt. And I'm cl- almost, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm freshly shaven with a haircut. Yeah, see, none I'm, of us have ever seen you looking <laughs> like that. So go to jimforwaynesboro.com and you will see Jim, not as the Jim you know. I am almost presentable. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I so know. You clean up pretty nicely, honestly. Well, you know, yeah. I, I got to keep up the image, you know. How much Photoshopping do they do? Um, it took experts weeks. I'm sure. Of just forensic study and coffee and sleepless nights to even mold that clay into something halfway presentable. Must have cost you a lot for that photo. I'll put it on your charge card. Anyway, That's we want to welcome everybody <laughs> here as we move on to you know a list of this week's topics um, in a much more energetic mode. That's right. I got so much coffee. Let's go. <laughs> go, 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 go. Well, Twirl. listen, you know, we, we get so involved in the conversations on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, I mean, it, it's, you have a whole list. I've got four big, huge computer screens in front of me when we do the show. Mm-hmm. And each one of them has probably 15 or 20 tabs open on each one, uh, word files, uh, different stuff that people send me, um, different information, research, everything that we do, the, 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 the things that people don't see that goes into the, the Wednesday show. And honestly, by the time the show's over, there's still probably two-thirds of it we never got to because you just get so involved in the conversation. And the time goes by so fast. And time just an hour yeah. just sometimes isn't enough one day a week. So one of the things that I did not get to this week on the Wednesday show um, was uh, really two – well, it's two things I want to touch on. Number one, the, uh, the just damning report – that came out against the Uvalde Police Department in Texas over mm-hmm. the school shooting there. And on the other hand, um, just what a, a young hero, what, a, what, what proof that um, what we've always said um, as to be true as a young man by the name of Eli Dickin, the 22-year-old man um, who took down the mall shooter in Indiana. I mean, let me just say, I've been around guns my whole life. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm known for. Um, the Second Amendment is is the pillow I slay my head on at night. You know? Um, is it pretty comfortable? It's made me sleep like a baby for a lot of years. Ah. Yeah. That's why I hear snoring from yeah, down no. the street. Yeah. Uh, okay. you got good ears. Um, anyway, um, let me just say that eight out of ten hits... The young man shot 10 rounds. Mm-hmm. He hit his target eight out of 10 times at 40 yards away with a handgun. Where is that applause button? 
I, I can find that. Hang Holy on. It, cow. It, it's coming. It's coming. Because nobody deserves that applause button more than the young man, Eli Dickin, out of, uh, uh, of Indiana. I'm telling you, that was impressive. And uh, dare I say, um, the shooter who is willing to walk into a busy place of business um, and just randomly take people's lives uh, for his own sick pleasure is as evil as evil can be. So therefore, that leads me to believe that the hand of Eli Dickin um, was absolutely um, guided by divine intervention. Because that was that's that's a, that's a very stressful, very difficult shot to hit one time out of ten at forty yards for an experienced shooter. Now I don't know his level of experience, but holy cow, my hats off to you, man! I applaud you. Uh, um, it's an unfortunate thing when one person is put in a position to take another person's life because that's not a sane thing to do. And that will be a picture, whether uh, the news plays it up or, deny, or or covers it up like they've been doing. Um, that is a, that is an image he will keep in his mind the rest of his life. Not an easy image to compartmentalize and put away. He will see that in his mind forever. Um, but, uh, you know, I just applaud him for, um, for having the nerve to step up and do the right thing. Do the right thing, man. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Didn't the media... But was wasn't he being called the Good Samaritan? He was, yes. And, and I seem to recall that the media really didn't want to run with that term. I think a couple of outlets did. <clears throat> Excuse yep. me, but but the vast majority would not because, as you know, the media is not for guns. Oh no, it didn't fit their agenda. Right, and yeah. so they can't make this kid out to look good at all. Yeah. If they do, then basically they're hypocritical well, for everything. That's why they they're stand. trying to bury the stories. What they're trying to do exactly. now. Exactly. Because there's too many people who know about it. It's got out there too much. Is he the Good Samaritan? Absolutely he's the Good Samaritan. They even took it at the angle that they wanted to try to prosecute him. And this was a public court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. They thought the legal courts, the judicial system, should prosecute him because he was in that mall with a firearm. And there's strict rules against having guns in the mall. They have uh, a sign on the door that says, No weapons allowed. Just imagine what would have happened if he had obeyed those signs. Yeah, a number of deaths would have been really, really high. Yeah, and there's there's really no way to put a figure on how many lives no. he saved. There's well, none. Did they say that he actually responded within 15 seconds within of the shooter opening? Yeah. I mean, so really, that shooter, the amount of people that shooter killed yeah. was nothing compared to what would have happened. What he he had 15 seconds. Yeah. Hey man, that's that's the guy I want in my platoon any day of the week. Yeah, you know that's that's a that's a warrior at heart right there. So you know the fact that um, you know the, these these anti-gun lobby, these lunatic lefty liberals and their logic, you know, okay, so he was on private property, um, in a in a place in Virginia. I can tell you in Virginia. I'm not sure about Indiana, but I know in Virginia. Um, that's a class four misdemeanor. So it's a very light trespassing charge, small fine. That's really it. It's just slap on the hand. Pretty much. Pretty much. Don't do it again. Then they can borrow you from their property. And if you're back there again, that's trespassing, which could be a class one misdemeanor in Virginia and could mean up to a year in jail. Um, but in this case, a first offense like this, 
Um, if it were in Virginia, if their laws are similar to Virginia, then it would have been a class four trespassing charge, class four misdemeanor, really nothing. But, but just think that for it, him in his mind, he, you know, to risk that knowing sure. that he saved all those people. Well, he's of the right mindset. Right. You know, am I, in, am I telling people to break the law? No, I'm not telling you to break the law, but I tell people in the gun classes all the time, if you're going to carry, carry concealed and it's nobody's business, but yours. No one's going to know. If you've got no maliciousness in your heart. Then would you rather you know need it and not have it or have it and not need it? That's right, that's right. You know, when you're concealed carrying, the whole point is to be concealed, right? So no one should know what you've got. Exactly. As long as you're not pulling it out and waving it around. And quite honestly, there's a lot of states um, in this country, a lot of people in this country who believe that that Second Amendment. If you're a legal citizen, if you're a legal citizen, not a felon, and not somebody under mental health care. That Second Amendment is your right to carry wherever the hell you like to. Yeah. I go one step further. I really believe the Second Amendment, since it does not limit you to concealed carry, mm-hmm. it should be, look, if you want to concealed carry, you should be able to. Sure. I, I really, I just, I, I hate the fact that states have, and again, states have the right to do what they want to do. This is they a, do. The Second Amendment is a, Second Amendment is a federal thing. Just in the way the Second Amendment allows you to, uh, uh, keep and bear arms, right. the 10th Amendment allows the states to make their own rules. Right. So I hate the fact that, that they are that some of the states are very restrictive. Yes. Like Illinois and New York and California and, and the like. Yes. But they can be. They be so. And and Well, this is a perfect argument for what the what the Supreme Court just did. Yeah. When it comes to forcing states to issue those permits mm-hmm. uh, that they can't just do it because of their political viewpoints. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But now on, on, um, what's his, his name was Eli Dickens. Eli Dickens. Eli Dickens. No, yes. Okay. All right. So at least everywhere I said, okay. I, my I, last name's Wood. Everybody calls me Woods. So it could be that and just messed up. I don't know. Yeah. But Eli Dickens. I, I just call you Wolf. Oh, hang on. Oh, we got a button for that too, right? We do. Oh, am I going to see when you, if you got to go that hard to search for it, it's kind of, oh, I just can't hit the button. I'm, I'm getting my finger messed up here. Oh. I'm at the wrong angle. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but see, I, I would be, be you know, he, he made eight out of ten shots, which I think is impressive. But forty yards. Yeah, but you know, I'd be more impressed if it was ten out of ten. I mean, if it was a really divine <laughs> intervention, would God miss? No. Um, well, no, divine intervention does not put you in the place of God because God is the only one that's perfect. No, but if God directed His hand, it should be ten out of ten. Wow. I mean, God does perfect things, and so it worked, and nobody else was harmed in the in the way. I, I want the guy who could do ten out of ten in my platoon. Okay, <laughs> you're eight out of ten. You're just you're just a, a you're a little soldier. Just, just go out. Yeah. No, you go, go back to basic training. And that's why you fly the planes and we jump out of them and go fight. I'll you take know, I'll take eight out of ten every day in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd think differently if your kid was in that mall. I would absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we we, no, we joke. I, yeah. I know. I no, know. I'm, I'm just kidding. Totally I'm, not, I'm not busting you, but yeah. I mean, because I, I hit ten out of ten all the time when I go to the range. So I mean, you know, when I go, if you look at the cameras, you'll see I ten um, out of ten every single time. Yeah, but that paper target's not shooting back at you. Well, you weren't looking at the right camera angle. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know, you put the cameras. I've heard stories about those evil paper targets. Yeah, they they, they especially the ones with yeah. the black guy with the hoodie. Have you seen yeah. those? Oh yeah. Yeah, those are vicious. Yeah, I've got a picture of Gabriel Gifford shooting at one of them. He's a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really? Oh yeah, before she got shot in the head. Yeah. Yeah, there's a picture of her with an AR-15 at a range shooting at a teenage target. Oh my god. A gosh. teenager in a hoodie. Yeah. 
So yeah. when I went, you don't like that to be seen. I'm sure. I bet not. No. So when I went to Iraq in 07, we had to do our weapons pre-qualification, and we had to qualify on the on the uh, the AR-15 or was it the uh, M4? M4, yeah. And so uh, it was a private contractor who took a bunch of us out out on a range out uh, west of Harrisonburg. Okay. Private range, and he pulls out. I had never shot an M4 in my life. Okay. And I'm like, well, this this looks cool. This would be yeah. awesome, right? It's January, so it's bitter cold outside. The guy pulls out the targets. Yeah, and it's a black dude in a hoodie. <laughs> and I said, I can't shoot. My, I can't shoot a brother. That's just that doesn't work. Please tell me you were wearing a hoodie at the time. No, I was not <laughs> wearing a hoodie at the time. But I told the guy, I can't shoot a brother. Dwight, run! <laughs> <laughs> I was the only black guy out there at the time. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I I, I shot that uh, that target up. I mean, yeah. I put I poured lead down range. Yeah. Brother or no brother. Yeah. So, yeah. So you thought the black guy in the hoodie was automatically a bad guy? I did. That's profiling. That's illegal, too. Hey, what goes on in my mind stays in my mind, okay? <laughs> Racist. Hey, I've been called worse. Uh, white supremacist. Oh, no. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute now. Uh, let me see your white, your, your what is it? Your uh, it's in my white truck. privilege card. It's in my truck. You don't carry it with you? No. It's in my truck. Okay. All right. In case I get pulled over, I need it. Because some, some cop stereotypes me. I would love, love, love to be in your truck with you and get you get pulled over and you pull out that goofy white privilege card. Oh, dude, I will. You if, know, if, you know. And well, if he's a black cop, he might not like. Think it's funny. Look, if it's a simple thing like I was just speeding. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm I'm definitely doing, it. and I'll probably do it with a smile on my face just to yeah. make him laugh. You know. Yeah. After he's giving me the ticket, like, can yeah. I, can I get out of this? this? <laughs> hey, does this count for anything? Yeah. Can I get some? Do you accept these here? <laughs> <laughs> It's not like American Express. Where do I swipe this card? <laughs> Never leave home without it. <laughs> but if it's a black cop, you've got the race card with you, too. That's right. Officer, yeah. Uh, no, brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. It's racist if I say it like that. Yeah, but but I can say it. Oh, can you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But uh, no, anyway, back to the original topic that we're going astray again. Um, no, You didn't I, even know who Public Enemy was, and I can't use the race card. I know. That's just called reality, that's, that's, brother. Uh, that's wrong. Yes, it is. All right. But no, I, I am very impressed with what that with what that 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 guy did. And yeah. quite honestly, I wish there were, there are more Americans that would carry like he did. Yeah. And you know, but first off, here's here's the thing though. If you're gonna do that kind of stuff, and you know us as well, you've got to train. Sure, absolutely. You just can't just carry and go to the range once a year like I do. Okay. True. Shut up. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you've got to train, you've got to practice, you've got to make sure your shots are on target, you've got to practice drawing. Yeah, you There's a difference, between, I always tell people in the classes, there's a difference between marksmanship and training. They're two different things. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Marksmanship, you're right. you can hit the target, but training is all other aspects. The drawing, the moving, the cover and concealment, I mean, mm -hmm. all of it, it all has to come into play, and marksmanship is fine. Yeah. You can stand there and shoot the middle out of a piece of paper all you want to, but I get you out on the range and you start moving you around between multiple targets and moving targets and stuff like that and watch people's whole world just go to crap. Oh, sure. You know, because all of a sudden it's information overload. So one of my friends, and it's a, a common friend of ours, Chase, oh, yeah. uh, was shooting IDPA uh -huh. a couple of years ago. I had a chance to Good observe program. it. I, I had never heard of it before, never mm -hmm. seen it before, and so he wanted to shoot. I'm like, I'll go with you. IDPA, International Defensive Pistol Association. Exactly. There you go. Yes. And so I think he was shooting with a revolver at the time. And so we went over to a, to a, to a range over near Richmond somewhere. And uh, they had these all these different setups where they had to, you know, peek around a corner and, and, mm -hmm. and shoot. And yep. they're moving. And 
I was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of cool. It's pretty awesome. It was. Fun. Instead of just shoot, sitting there shooting at a target, you have to move, you got to reload, and you have to be strategic. And when you reload, because you're, they you're timed. They try to simulate and, real world defensive actions. Right. Yeah, yeah. I bought a gun specifically to shoot IDPA. Oh, really? Do you know how many times I've gone to shoot IDPA? Zero. Zero, because this son of a gun on this microphone works too damn much. I know the feeling. Woo! All right. Look, I've had a membership to your club, yes. your shooting club, and I yes. go to the range probably four times a year. Because <laughs> when I'm I'm always gone, and then when I am home, it's raining. Yeah. Or I got to watch the kids. Yeah. Something comes up. Yeah. I've seen you on the security cameras there a time or two, but... Oh, yeah. You were laughing. I don't think me and you've ever been there at the same time, have we? No, never. Never. That's crazy. Anyway, we finish can, your we, story with Chase, or are you going to lose oh, your train of thought? Well, that, that was kind of it. That was kind yeah. of it. It was cool to see that training because yeah. you could see people under pressure. They're under the gun. Not only are they under the gun because of time, you've got all these spectators watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get the pressure of uh, all them eyes looking at yeah. you. Performance anxiety Judging you. kicks in. Yeah. Like, oh, that shot sucked. Yeah. You know, and in, in Chase's case, I actually had my camera out and I was recording all of his, um, the, the different scenarios he was doing. Yeah. And so I know that was probably on the back of his mind too. He did a really good job, but, yeah. um, I, I, anyway, it was just, it was really interesting to see that. Yeah. And I can see a lot of value in something like that because yeah, sure. if you're just shooting just to hit a target, that's easy. You do that all day long. Oh, but absolutely. Under pressure, under the gun, wake up at two o'clock in the morning. You know, it's like when, in, for home defense, right? So we all practice at the range. We shoot to hit a target. At 2 o'clock in the morning when you've been sleeping, intruder breaks mm-hmm. in your house, your, your your brain's full of cobwebs. Sure. In my case, my glasses are off my face. I got to find my glasses if I can find them in time. You woke up out of a deep sleep and right. all of a sudden, what the hell? I have to engage sure. someone. First, I have to identify them. Mm-hmm. And I have to remember to identify them. Mm-hmm. I got to remember the whole escalation of force doctrine. Yeah. You know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I've been in a dead sleep. That's a lot. Yeah. And if you've never been practiced, if you've never tried it before, yep. the question is, how are you going to do? A few years ago, a guy in Maryland did not have positive identification on his target in the middle of the night inside his home. That's when he accidentally shot and killed his 15-year-old son who is sneaking back into the house. Oh, my gosh. Think about that when you think, oh, I bought a gun, I loaded it, it's in a box, I've got it if I need it. Think about that. Mm. How would you like to be the parent who shot and killed your own child as he's coming in the house after sneaking out when he wasn't supposed to. Mm. Training is so important. It's out there. If you go seek out training, make sure it is a qualified instructor. A lot of people don't realize how easy it is to get an instructor's license. Mm -hmm. All right. Find somebody who has a resume, not just a license. Find somebody who's had experience. Find somebody in law enforcement, but more, more importantly, find a combat veteran who teaches. Find the Jim Wood. Hey, I'm booking into 2024 right now, my live fire classes. You need to make, make a slot for me, bro. <laughs> I've got people who, um, I added some people to the calendar and some, and some canceled spots today, but they don't get to get to the range until, see, this is July. They don't get, on the no, they don't get to the range until November. Yeah, but you'll get me in like now. See what I can do. Let's go right now. Uh, it's a little dark right now. Yeah, hey, I've got flashlights. Yeah, I'm not. Because it would be 2 o'clock in the morning before we finish the podcast, and then we'll upset Jeff, and we can't do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jeff, yeah, we don't want to upset you again. Sorry, yeah. bro. Sorry, I mean, sorry, bro. We, we got you. The we dude's like 6 foot 14 inches tall. He's, he scares me. He, you're 6'5", and you look up at him. Yeah. He's a big dude. I know. I'm threatened when I He's see him. He's a big, goofy dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he's cracking up in his police car right now when he probably listens to this. Is. Yeah. So kind of on that story about the guy <laughs> shooting his son. Yes. I had an interesting situation years ago. We were living in Charlottesville. Yes. In a townhouse. And it was me and my wife, uh, my son. I think my daughter might have been like a er, small baby at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, she would have been because we, so we, it was a three-story townhouse and we all lived upstairs, three rooms upstairs. Gotcha. My mom-in-law lived with us and she lived on the bottom floor. Okay. And so one night my wife and I are laying in bed and we're watching TV and all of a sudden I start hearing this noise downstairs Yeah. in the kitchen. And I'm just yeah. like, what's that noise? And Lydia's like, well, yeah. I, I don't know. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's not right. And the noise continued. And I was like, okay, something's not, something's up here. What is going on? Okay. I honestly thought we might have had an intruder in the house. Okay. And so, and my mom-in-law, she's a hard sleeper, so she wouldn't have heard the door open or anyone break in or whatever. Yeah. So I grabbed my forty-five, and I had a shotgun at the bed. I said, Lydia, you know, I'm going to go down first. You follow behind me with the shotgun. Okay, I want to see. I need, I need to figure out what's going on. So I exit the room, and I get out on the balcony, and I can look downstairs, and there's no lights on downstairs, but I hear noise. Okay. And I'm like, what is happening? And so I start creeping down the steep staircase. And I have my 45 drawn out. My, my gun is b- b- uh, b- uh, below the, 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 the banister. So no one could see it. Only okay. I knew I had it out, right? And I'm kind of peering around the corner. And what it was was my mother-in-law had come upstairs to get some food. Oh, my goodness. She, op- she tur- had no lights on whatsoever in the house. One light that was on was the light that was in the refrigerator. <laughs> and so, but it comes down to what I had been taught from day one is you have to identify your target. If you do not have positive identification on your target, you do not have a threat. Exactly. And so once I saw it was her, you know, I went back upstairs and said, okay, Lydia, it, 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 was, it was your mom. You need to go down there and tell her, number one, don't ever sneak around my house at night with lights out. <laughs> Turn lights on. Does she not know that I have guns and I'm not afraid to use them? And rule number two, leave the chicken salad alone. That's right. <laughs> Take the salad, leave the chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting is because, you know, she had uh, she had trouble walking, bad hips. Gotcha. Okay. So for like a month or two. She was a paratrooper also? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, never mind. No. She, she wore body actually, armor? No. Oh, never She's mind. never exercised. Oh, okay. But she never climbed the steps because it hurt her. Yeah. So for like a month or two, she never climbed upstairs to the kitchen. We had to bring food down to her. That's why when the noise happened, I'm Par- thinking. Apparently she was starving. She was. <laughs> apparently we didn't feed her or something. <laughs> but the point is that we're, you have to identify your target to know what you're shooting at. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I, you know, to this day I'll never forget that because I, I think I did the right thing. Yeah. I, I did the right thing. I didn't shoot her. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well. So uh, I'm glad you didn't shoot your mother-in-law. Me too. I'm sure your wife is also. Yes. And your kids yes. didn't want you shooting grandma. And I don't want to be in jail. All right. I'm too pretty for jail. But do not comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> you just pretty enough for jail, honey. <laughs> yes, <I am. laughs> anyway. You know no, it. So we're talking about one guy. Uh-huh. We're talking about one guy. This is what this whole conversation is. Eli yes. Dickin, 22-year-old young man mm-hmm. from Indiana, took down an active shooter inside a mall and saved countless lives. Yep. Now, and, and when I say countless, I mean, really, you can't put it to a scale. How yep. many lives did he save just from that shooter in the mall? How many young kids have seen this story now that may be in a place in their head where they think that this is how they get their 15 minutes of fame, and they went, wait a minute. Somebody in one of these gun-free zones just shot him before he could get his 15 minutes. I don't want to do this now. Mm-hmm. How many did he deter from doing that? 
You know, how many people did he inspire went, hey, man, a 22-year-old kid with some training hit 8 out of 10 targets in, in less than 15 seconds from 40 yards away. Maybe I need to go get some training. Maybe I need to carry more often. And how many times will those people deter somebody from committing a mass shooting like this? Right. So you can't put it on a scale of how many lives and how many people this young man has inspired, which drives the liberals batshit crazy Mm -hmm. because it does not fit their agenda. It does not fit their description of us evil Second Amendment running around once wanting to kill somebody kind of people. They find out that all of a sudden that's not the truth. That's right. That we are we only carry as a tool to to protect ourselves and protect other human life, not to take life. None of us want to take a life. One person. However, three hundred and seventy six, three hundred and seventy six police officers were on site at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. 376, and not one of them did a damn thing to go in there and stop him until after he had killed all those kids and those two teachers. One officer who was was off somewhere 30 minutes away getting a haircut, who got up out of his barber's chair, took his barber's shotgun, sped down to that school, and even though they tried to detain him, he broke away from him, went in the school, and took down the shooter. 376. Man, I saw the most heartbreaking, the most disturbing video, other than, you know, dead bodies, the most disturbing video the other day somebody sent me. And it was of a police officer who was there on scene, whose wife was one of those teachers. Mm. And she had called him. She had been shot, and she was afraid she was going to die. And this officer tried to break through that line of police officers and his fellow police officers actually detained him and held him back from him allowing him to go in to try to save his wife. 376 officers were on site and all those kids died because not one of them would stand up like Eli Dickens did. Eli Dickens did. Well, they said that the kids in that classroom also hurt. They also knew that cops were on the other side of that wall. Yeah. And you've seen the video where they all are gathering in the hallway and the one dude's out there sanitizing his hands. Yeah. You know, well, they're having a meeting in Uvalde this week, this Saturday. All right. Uh, what, what is uh, the 23rd, 24th, sure. whatever it is? Uh, Saturday. 23rd, yeah. Yeah. They're having a meeting to decide if the, the chief of police should be fired or not. Uh, Yeah. Why has this not already been done? Yeah. It doesn't take the report that came out that was so harsh towards him and his team of so-called police officers. I don't know. You know, we, we laugh about our, you know, we, we give our friend Jeff a hard time, mm-hmm. but Jeff puts on that uniform every day and he goes out to protect his community. Him and all his, his brothers that wear that uniform in, in his jurisdiction and jurisdictions all over this country. But I deal working in a gun shop, uh, being being the being the county instructor, and and I deal with law enforcement all the time. I've yet, since this happened, talked to any police officer who thinks that their behavior in Uvalde was was approval was approved that was okay. None of them. 
You know, so uh, when I talk about the Uvalde police, I'm not referring to all police mm-hmm. because most of the cops I know, they do it for the right reasons and they go out there and they put their neck out on the line the same as I did going to combat. And a lot of those combat vets are officers around this country. So when you look at the one who ran in there, yeah, that's my guy. When you look at Eli Dickin, who putting his own safety on the line and stood up from 40 yards away because the position where he was at was exposed. He had a handgun. The other guy mm-hmm. had a rifle. He could have very easily took shots back. He put himself in harm's way to save other people. That's my guy. You know, the 376 who stood around with their thumbs in their butts, listening to children being slaughtered, listening to the phone calls that came across uh, from teachers and the little girl who called, who eventually, who eventually was one of them that was killed, who stood there and did nothing, and especially those officers who physically restrained that mom, Angelina Gomez, who went in and got her two mm-hmm. kids, who tried to physically restrain that Border Patrol tactical officer who eventually went in there and got him. Those officers, those supervisors who physically restrained that officer who was going in to get his wife... Yeah, sleep well. Sleep well. I hope you never get another night's sleep. That just, to me, that is inexcusable. Inexcusable. Well, yeah, I mean, even in the videos you see, and again, I'm, I'm not combat or law enforcement, but I can, I can see what my eyes tell me. And my eyes tell me that the cops are all wearing body armor. Some had ballistic shields. Yep. And you're telling me that you, I mean, okay, the, the guy, in, uh, the, the 22-year-old, Eli Dickin had no armor on, Mm-mm. engaged the shooter. So if he could, a 22-year-old kid could do that. You look like a preppy little college kid. All of you police officers in Uvalde who have body armor on, you can't put yourself in harm's way to save the innocent. That's the future of your city was sitting in that classroom. They're, yeah. they're crying. They're skimming their heads off. They're dying. You have body armor in there? Go in there and take care of business. That's what your job is. Yeah, well. Your job's not to gather out there and, I mean, you want to assess, you got 30 seconds. Assess. Now get your rear end in there and take care of business. Yeah, I would like to three, I'd like to see 376 new Uber drivers or pizza delivery boys because those people should never wear a badge ever again, ever. Yeah. Period. Your job is to go towards the fire, gunfire. You know. Not stay put. You may be a tough guy. You may have all the tattoos. You may go to the gym and work out, you know, and and have yourself just the way you want and them super tight T-shirts and all that other crap that you like to walk around and thump your chest with. But when shit goes down, I want that skinny little kid who came in there and ran, that Border Patrol agent who ran through all those people, or that Eli Dickin who looked like he had the... Here in Virginia, every picture we've I've seen of him so far, he looks like he's wearing the UVA starter kit. <laughs> All right. For those of you not in Virginia that don't know what I'm talking about, UVA, I mean, it was a a, a print shirt that looked like it was your grandma's uh, 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 tablecloth, collared shirt, and khakis. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like your average preppy little college kid. And if that's if that is the the what you wear and how you look is the measure of of a hero, 
then by God, get me some khakis and a funky little button-down shirt. <laughs> All he was missing was a bow tie. <laughs> That's right. You know, um, because too often you see these wannabes walking around trying to look tactical everywhere they go. Yeah. And um, if that is you in Uvalde, Texas, you lost your right to oil your beard, you sorry piece of cowardice crap. Well, it, softness has pervaded, I think, um, law enforcement. That's a, I mean, you, it's, it's invaded everything. It has. But you, you go back 20, 30 years, you know, cops were respected because when there was an issue, you could basically trust a police officer to go in there and save you. Listen, I, you know, I've told you many stories about my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was, um, well, <laughs> he was kind of legendary back here, where, back where we went, uh, where we grew up. Um, he was a one-man wrecking crew. There are so many stories, stories I'd never heard before that all those old cops were sitting around the night of his funeral and the stories he told. I mean, I'm just sitting there like, holy crap, I, I didn't think anything could shock me. You know, um, we had, he, I told you the rattlesnake story. Yes. Or, you know, mm-hmm. somebody he had put in jail's brother had snuck out and put a rattlesnake in his car. Mm-hmm. And somebody told him about it, and he never told it. He never told us any of these stories, and and this is no exaggeration. No, uh, you know, I'm not blowing it up at all. Um, he used to dr- he used to be partners with a guy named Jeff Rose, and Jeff told us this story, and he said, "Man, it was the most crazy. It was the craziest thing I ever saw." He said, "Somebody in the bar told your dad that this guy had went out there and put a snake in his car." He said, "Your dad went out there with a flashlight, looked around there, and sure enough, there was that darn snake coiler laying there, right by the uh, the brake pedal in the car." And he said, "Your dad didn't bat an eye. He jerked that do- door open, reached in there, and grabbed that snake by the head and print and, and and stormed right back into that bar and took that snake, spun that guy around to bar and put that snake's face right up against that dude's face and went, "Did you lose something?" <laughs> yeah. So that big old biker liked to piss down his leg. Mm-hmm. You know, my old man was one of those tough old school cops who, you know, again, I, I deal with cops on a regular basis. And I've always said that police work changed when that little pocket on the side of the pants disappeared. Because cops used to carry that old slapjack in that little pocket right down on the side oh, of their leg. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you knew if that cop's hand dropped down next to that pocket, you about to get your head smacked and you didn't want that. Mm-hmm. You know, they took that authority away from cops because why? They're abusing me because of the color of my skin. They're abusing me because I'm different. They're abusing. No, you need to toughen up is what you need to do and stop mm-hmm. doing shit that makes cops throw stuff at you. Stop being belligerent. Exactly. You know, I know lifelong criminals who never had a scar from a police officer because when they were caught, they just went, yeah, I'm good. You just take me where you need to take me. I'm not fighting you. And you don't believe that? Look right now on YouTube at all these little 15-minute heroes Mm -hmm. that don't want to give up their driver's license. You don't have a right. I'm a sovereign. I don't care who you are. That man represents the law. You argue your case in court, not to the police officer on the side of the road. Yep. That's one thing I learned. You know, my family, we're, we're big we were big live PD fans. A and E's big show they canceled because of the the woke culture. Oh, you know they got a new version of that out now. I know it's on yeah. a different channel. I don't have a subscription to. Yeah, we got it. Oh, you do? Yeah, I'm gonna come over here and watch it. Come on. So big, big, big fan of it. Yeah. And the one, one thing I the takeaway I learned from live PD is everyone who got their rear end kicked by a cop deserved it. Sure. You know, here's the cop asking license and registration. 
Well, mouth off and tell them, well, you can't take it. And I'm this and I'm that. And you know who I am? No, that's not what the cop asked for. He asked for license and registration. Give him what he asked. Like you said, fight in court. Sure. Out the side of the road. Because yep. the cop has the gun. And the cop has the authority. Yep. You know, years ago, I, I told you a story. I got pulled over by a police officer. I was, I was heading into Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And my daughter I was taking her to preschool. And she was in the back seat. And she's about four at the time. We were watching Live PD. She loved Live PD. <laughs> and so cop pulled me over at the top of Afton Mountain. And I told my daughter, I said, Bella, look. Be- you know, as you know, Bella's a talker. Yes, she is. I said, Bella, you just be quiet. I'm not bashful at all. No, she's not. No. I said, you be quiet. I'm going to talk to the officer. So I have my hands at 10 and 2. I'm freaking out thinking, what is Bella going to say that's going to get me in jail? <laughs> she is her mama's girl. So she, so the cop walks up. I roll my window down. Hands back at 10 and 2. Asked me my license of registration. I said, officer, it's over my wallet. Can I reach for it? Again, I'm trying to be as non-threatening as possible. Now, I know why he pulled me over. One of my headlights had died. Yeah. Like on the interstate. It was daytime. No big deal. He was. He wanted to let me know. But he's yeah. got to. He ran my plates. Got to process. He processed it. The Dwight Williams in New Jersey popped up. Bell's whistles went off. Okay, now he needs to he needs to talk to me. Yeah, and I figured that's probably what it was. But I want him to know I am not a threat. Yeah. Okay, officer, you want me to come out of the car and talk to you? I will do that. I will do whatever it takes. If I need to fight you, it's going to be in court in front of a judge. Yeah. With a lawyer. Yeah. And honestly, I cooperated. He came back. We talked, chatted for a little bit. He said, hey, your headlight's out. I said, yeah, I, I realize I'll take care. He goes, do you know how to fix it? I said, yeah. He's like, well, I'll, t- I'll show you if you don't know how to. Yeah. I mean, that made my whole day. So he didn't see the five kilos of cocaine you had under the seat? No, dude. I, I, I was covering that up with, the, with a jacket. Gotcha. Okay. Just, yeah. just ask. Yeah. And I put, I put the, through the, I, I swallowed all the weed I had. I was, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was good stuff. You just don't even know how to describe it, do you? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got images of super troopers in my head. Remember that I, movie? I was thinking of Talladega Nights. Oh, You got okay. a kilo of Colombian Bam Bam t- strapped <laughs> underneath the car. It turns out to be, what was it, uh, uh, Lucky Charms? Was that what it was? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't <laughs> anyway. No, I was thinking uh, uh, super troopers. Yeah. Remember that scene? where I hope you boys like Mexico. Woo! <laughs> they make the kid in the back seat eat all the weed. <laughs> the snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a anyway. great movie. Anyway, but yeah, if I treated the cop well. Sure. He treated me with respect. I treated yeah. him with respect. And I didn't get my, my, my rear end beat at all. Okay, can we have one of those... Uh, uh, Public, what do they call them? The not, the more you know, the oh. public. Oh, public service announcement. Public service. It's okay. It's time for a public service announcement. Okay, public service time. All right, it's time to educate you boys and girls out there in, in podcast land. In Virginia, just like most states, when you file, to when you sign the application to get your driver's license, mm-hmm. on that application, there is a statement where you sign for your driver's license. And in, in paraphrasing, it says... This license is your license to drive, but remains the property of the state you live in and must be presented to any law enforcement officer upon demand. So even though the license has your picture, your signature, your address, and your vitals on it, that little card does not belong to you. It is still property of the state in which you reside. So when a police officer asks you for your license... He has more right to it than you do. Give him your damn license. Nobody wants to see your little Karen fit on YouTube. Thank you, LeVar Burton. How do you like that? Yeah. Now, the, the more, more you, you know. know. <laughs> <laughs>
awesome. Oh my God, those people drive me crazy watching them. You don't have the right to my license. Sure Excuse do. me? You signed the piece of paper that says he does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to give it to you. Well, watch what happens when he goes to take it from you. Mm-hmm. You get tased and cuffed. Oh, but I got my phone. I'm recording the whole thing. Yeah, you go right ahead. I, I would rather watch a cop beat the crap out of some smart-ass kid because he thinks he's a law student. That's more entertaining to me than what you think your little smart-ass uh, you know, Cracker Jack law degree is going to get you anywhere. That's right. You know, especially when you deal with, you get back in the backwoods and deal with some salty old cop who don't give a crap what mine shaft he throws you down when he's done with you. That's true. <laughs> that, that, that's, very, that's very true. You ever seen the, uh, I know you've seen it, Chris Rock's video on how to deal with cops? Oh, yes. It's hilarious. It is. And I love Chris Rock. Chris Rock's awesome. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't watched it, it, it is, it's, uh, it's very raunchy. Yeah. Uh, but everything he says is 100% correct. Yeah. And really what it comes down to is respect the law. Yeah. If you don't want to get your ass beat, sure. respect the law. It's as simple as that. For a 15 to 20 minute transaction, just for once in your life, do what you're told. That's right. Now, if you're the passenger, make sure you tell the cop that the driver's got weed. Oh, I usually use heroin, but that weed's good too. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Heroin, that, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we talk about the standards being lower. We talk about, the, you know, about how, you know, the standards. I know there's a topic that, is near and dear to my heart that you wanted to bring up in this episode, something you were looking at and has been going on. And that is, uh, well, recruitment in the military. Yeah. So I was watching the news earlier today. Um, I had a lot of time off today. I had my new lazy boy came in. I was kicking my feet, kicked yeah. up and yeah, it was, it was awesome. So how is it so convenient that your wife and kids are out of town, you're living the bachelor life for a few days and just so happens your new Lazy Boy Easy Chair shows up in correspondence with that time frame. Well, that, by random, literally. Like I bought this 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 Easy Chair like two weeks ago, and I had it scheduled to show up to or today. Yes. Okay. Then the crap at the fan with our family and things happened, and therefore it, it just worked itself out that mm-hmm. I'm home by myself. Sure, it, it did. It did. It did. I had no crystal ball to look ahead to see what was going to happen. Anyway, it's a nice lazy boy. But I'm sitting there watching Fox News today, and they're talking about the U.S. military, which I guess still exists because <laughs> it's kind of iffy whether or not they're still around. <sighs> you know, and the segment was talking about um, how woke yeah. our military is. First off, the fact that the yeah. that recruitment numbers are, are so low and so bad right now yeah. that America is too focused on, you know, appeasing every single gender that's out there. That's not yeah. man or female, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you know, compared to the rest of the world, you know, and, and here is the here's, the left's always comparing us to other countries, but with the military, they're not. But I'm going to compare us to other countries because other countries are doing it right. You don't see Russia pushing transgenderism, you know, you know, uh, cartoons about the, the the soldier had two moms or whatever. No, it's about I'm man. Sure, hear me roar. You know, that's what our military should be. But we're, we're too busy trying to, you know, well, I wonder how that transgendered non-binary person's feeling. I better not yell at them in basic training because that might make them feel bad. might hurt their feelings. Listen, I've got a, a, a ton of friends still in the military. Um, a lot of the young guys I knew as I was getting out are now some of the senior guys. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, they're, they've got rank about them. They're in charge. I've got... 
uh, uh, friends who are officers. I got friends who are now first sergeants and and uh, master sergeants and 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 higher ranking NCOs that were, you know, PFCs, corporals, and specialists when I got out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so they they've had a good career. And you talk to them. Um, a Brent, a friend of mine is a senior NCO. Um, he is up in Wisconsin right now on some duty. And he was like, man, we can't get anything done. I was like, what do you mean? He said, we can't do any real training because we're too busy going to EO classes. We're too busy going to sensitivity classes. Um, uh, uh, how, um, what is it? Uh, diversity classes. He said, they're constantly sending us to these stupid classes. These directives are being handed down from the Pentagon. You know, General Milley is, do, is not doing anything, you know, did not do anything for our military, but turn it into, um, you know, the most woke, ineffective force that we've seen. And that breaks my heart. That's my army you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Me and, and, and the people who, who stood beside of me, whether I knew you or not, was in the same era. Those great men and women that came before me that that died on the, on, the, on the fields of Lexington and Concord, who died on the fields of Antietam, who died in Mexico, who died in the Dominican Republic, who, who died on the beaches of, of Normandy, you know, Omaha Beach, or, or jumped into St. Mary Glees. Um, those guys who were in Da Nang, um, the, you know, the same people who, who died in Grenada, who you, you go through our whole history, in Central America, in, in in Eastern Europe, I mean, all the way through now into Southwest Asia, you know, the, all those people, those those people, those heroes that I looked up to, what they have done to our military is disgusting, absolutely disgusting, you know. And now it's starting to show in recruitment, heavy recruitment in the South, heavy recruitment in certain parts of this country. It really took a big um, a big chunk of people from a lower economic standing. Mm-hmm. You know, poor people. Poor people joined the military. Yep. I grew up in a coal mine country. Were my grades in high school good enough? Even though I was in, ben- I was in, in the special uh, 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 um, intelligent kids classes. Is that what they called it? <laughs> yeah, listen, you can make fun all you want to, but you ask my sister, she'll tell you. <laughs> I, w- I, was, I was in the higher IQ classes when I was a kid. And then about the time I found out what girls were, <laughs> well, that changed everything. <laughs> I was a typical red-blooded American boy, let me tell you. Nice. All right? I like football, fast cars, and... Girls. Girls, <laughs> you know? And my grades were not high on that list. Mm-hmm. So when it came down to it, was I going to have to put in extra work to go to a better college, to go to a good college? Yeah, I would have. But I never had plans to go to college. From the time I was 10 years old, all I ever wanted to do was be in the, be in the Army. You know, I studied George Washington. I studied Nathaniel, studied Nathaniel Green. You know, I, I, I looked up to people like Matthew Ridgway, um, to, to people like Audie Murphy. Those were my heroes. And those people right now are turning over in their graves because of what they're doing to our military. This is not our military anymore. But so the people like me who came from an area where we didn't have money, we were poor. That military was a way to get out and make something yourself and make a decent, well, sort of decent wage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a lot of your living expenses. It has gotten so bad to the point now where people who live in those economically depressed areas who are known to be poor are choosing to be poor and economically distressed rather than to join today's military. 
Mm-hmm. They've even dropped in the standards. I mean, it, it got to the point after the new military came about in the late 70s to where you, in order to get promoted, you had to have so much college time. You had to have a high school degree, diploma before you could even enlist in the military. Mm. You know? So now they have dropped those standards. You don't have to have a high school diploma to join the military anymore. Really? Absolutely. Wow. That is one of the new directives. I talked to a recruiter just the other day, a friend of mine. You trying to get back in? And No, they too old, too broken now. They're not going to take <laughs> me, all right? I, uh, if I could fix those two things, I, I you know. In a different world, I would if I could go back and do it all over again. Maybe not now, but you know, absolutely, yeah. I would. I wouldn't change a thing. But um, well, maybe a few things. But you know, that's a whole different that's a whole different episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's talking about his numbers. He's been lucky, but the recruiters across the board, even with these lower standards, and the recruiters don't like the lower standards. But they're having to do it to meet their numbers, and they're not even getting close to their numbers right now. Sure. You know, so uh, we're going to miss the mark on recruitment for our military. So what is going on with a General Milley, with a Biden and Harris administration? What we see and how it's having an effect on our military, this is a threat to our national security. That is an impeachable offense in itself. The one thing over top of everything that our president is responsible for is that title he earns when he is sworn in on the steps of the Capitol building. And that is our national security, our defense. He had that title of commander-in-chief that is bestowed upon him. Over top of anything else, that is his responsibility. And Joe Biden, through his policies and through his guidance of his woke agenda and the and people in place like a Milley, those people right there have now have now put us in in danger, um, as in more danger than we have ever been. Because thank God we've got ten million veterans in this country who may not be as good as they once were, but I guarantee you every damn one of them will be as good once as they've ever were. Sure. So sure. thank God we got that to fall back on because right now. The upfront fighting men, the up fight fighting women, the warriors that protect our country, they're short-handed as they can be. Mm-hmm. So you think your local biscuit place or your local restaurant or your local gas station or your local department store is cutting their hours back because they're short-handed? Well, our military is having to cut their hours back because they're extremely short-handed as well. And those are the people you don't want to be short-handed. I mean, it used to be said that America could fight two wars simultaneously. Sure. And now, based on the wokeness, based on what I see, and again, as a, as a civilian, I had the opportunity, as you know, to go to Iraq yes. and to support our military. Yes. And I'm very proud of what I did. And I'm very proud of the, the people that, that served and those I, that I could serve. You supported me. Yes, I supported <laughs> you. I didn't know you, but... <laughs> we were there. Yeah. Same time. Just different location, but same, same place. Yeah. You were flying over top somewhere. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. You're, in yeah. fact, you're probably looking at me through your 50 cal going, oh. Uh, I bet I could hit him from here. You probably were. Uh, you were up there in that nice air-conditioned oh, it wasn't aircraft. Air, it was not air-conditioned. Unpressurized, no air conditioning. Yeah. yeah, no. Oh, you suffered so bad. It was bad. It was Suffer, horrible. Yeah. suffering. Yeah, man, you should have suffering. seen Suffering. Anyway. Did um, I tell you how hot it was on the ground? I was on the ground, too. Yeah. I had to go to bed at night. I don't know what that was like. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, go I ahead. I had to land sometime. Go ahead. But... <laughs> 
but you know the the guys that I serve, the the, the soldiers I serve, the the you know they they were honorable people. Yeah. You know they they were there for a reason. They were there to bring best democracy, the best that America had. That's right. You know, without and a doubt. Today, I really question that. I really question: Is this the best that we have? Because we're allowing people in our military. Some of those who have, those who were, who were in before the wokeness began. Yeah, I'm not questioning them. No, not at all. I'm questioning and the new ones going yeah. in. What? Why are you going in? Well, what is your reasoning? And then those who are in, like Millie. Yeah. Okay. Why are Millie's you trying? Why are you trying to change our military to be so sensitive? We should be a fighting force, not a sensitivity force. No, oh, I mean the perfect example. They had it on the news about a year ago when all this really started gaining speed was the two commercials side by side. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, the Russian commercial, you know, joins the infantry, you know, it was just a big, tough, yep. manly, you know, uh, you know, uh, chew the head off of babies and kill, you know, just kill, 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 you know, getting that alpha male, that certain type of warrior spirit, uh, that's in every that that's well in 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 a lot of people to to bring that warrior spirit out and stand up and defend your nation, mm-hmm. and the American version was the young girl who was just trying to make her two moms proud. Yeah, well, it just so happens that yeah. I have that. Oh, do you that really? Video. And and I think it'd be kind of cool just to play it. Now people aren't going to be able to see it, but they can obviously hear the audio. Oh, you'll you'll, you'll get the gist of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah um, that, that's that's kind of crazy. And I remember seeing it a year ago, and they they brought it up again today on Fox when I was watching. I was like, oh my gosh, that just brought back some bad memories. That yeah. this is how bad our military is getting. Yeah. You know, I remember I was in Civil Air Patrol as a kid, and uh, back when I was a kid, the Air Force never really advertised on TV. Why? They didn't have to. They didn't need to, yeah. No. I mean, they had Civil Air Patrol. Kids were joined left and right. And if you in Civil Air Patrol, once you rank, once you reached a certain rank, yeah. um, I think it was flight officer or, or second lieutenant, um, then you were automatically, if you if you went into the military, yeah. you were automatically granted E3. Okay. All right. So a lot of a lot of kids did that. That's yeah, a pay increase. Yeah. Promotion points. Yeah. Well, I was in there in the late mid to late nineties. I was in Civil Air Patrol, and I got to that level. So, but I never went in the military. But about ten years later, I started seeing ads on TV for the Air Force. And I'm thinking, why is the Air Force Aim advertising? Yeah. yeah. Because their numbers were low. Yeah. People weren't joining, and now we're going woke, and people still aren't joining. Right. And our numbers are even lower. And we're no longer a fighting force. We're now a sensitivity force. Yeah, absolutely. But let me, let me play this clip here if I can get it to work properly. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. So it's about a two-minute, 20-second clip, but okay. I think it's interesting to, to yeah. listen to. So here we go. This is the story of a soldier who operates your nation's Patriot Missile Defense Systems. It begins in California with a little girl raised by two moms. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, played violin, I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. 
When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again, but she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet, eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life, a sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy. Another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it a way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. I'm U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling. Isn't that ridiculous? What a load of crap. Yeah. She wants to shatter stereotypes. Who, who joins the military to shatter? St I, you want to shatter buildings, shatter the enemy, uh, shatter drug dealers, but shatter stereotypes? The Army is a team. It is a team mentality. It is a group of people, men or women, coming together to, to reach goals and to accomplish missions. That commercial right there is about individualism. Yeah. It's about individuals. It's how you as an individual will stand out. There is no place for that in a, a active, positive, um, uh, uh, successful military. Well, remember the Army slogan was, is it still the Army of One? Yes. But that Army of One is one cohesive unit. Unit. Absolutely. Where the individual is not... I mean, you're, you, a, you're a cog. You're a you gear are. on a cog. Right. And that's all you are. You know, and, and once you accept that, that makes that cog run that much better. That's what makes the United States Army uh, um, work as efficiently as it does. Now, I know to people who served in the military, that's like an oxymoron, you know, because, you know, all we do when we're in the military is gripe about how things don't work. But when you look in the big picture of things, when you look how that training is there, for a certain way in order to bring you together. You think back about the days of Valley Forge. Mm -hmm. You know, when the U the Continental Army was nothing but a ragtag bunch of individuals, people who had different agreements with the Continental Congress of how long they were going to fight. And they were just waiting out that time until a person came along of a questionable background, um, carrying the, 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 the title of Baron, mm -hmm. who came in, um, uh, von Steuben came in and he, he convinced general Washington that drill and ceremony, he convinced them that the discipline is what his army needed in order to beat the greatest empire in the world. And he taught that small army while being housed at Valley Forge when they were starving and they didn't have enough clothes and it was bitter cold. He taught those soldiers how to come together and work as one cohesive unit. And after Valley Forge was when things really turned in America's favor. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and from then on out, those teachings, uh, uh, that, those was the foundations of teachings for all branches of the military in that teamwork, that team effort, that one cohesive unit, an army of one. And now we've got to the point where it's so many individuals that it's about that, about that agenda. You know, we had uh, um, back in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, forgive me, I can't remember the exact year. It was a big deal because women started going to jump school, airborne school. Okay. All right. Now, back in those days, they had a hard time, women getting through airborne school, because at that time, airborne school at Fort Benning, Georgia, was the second hardest school in all of the military. Okay. Right behind scuba school in mm-hmm. the Navy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, scuba was, was very tough and demanding for obvious reasons. Well, so was becoming a paratrooper, you know, um, when I went through jump school, I think we, in 1980, uh, 85, um, I think we had, oh my God, I want to say four women mm-hmm. and we had a couple graduate in, in the course, which was fine, but they never lowered the standards. Those women had to carry themselves the same way that the men did. You weren't a woman. You weren't a man. You were a leg trying to become a paratrooper. You had to meet those paratrooper sta- standards. Not the men's standards, not the women's standards, the paratrooper standards, mm-hmm. the airborne standard. You know, because everybody knows you, if you studied your history, what kind of things happens if you're a paratrooper. You know, historically, um, in division-sized warfare, just uh, you know, D-Day is an example. Mm-hmm. They dropped all those paratroopers out. A paratrooper doesn't drop in front of the lines. No, they drop behind the lines. Enemy you, territory. Yeah. You drop into enemy territory with nothing but what you have on your back, and you're surrounded on all sides. That's your job. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there are certain standards you have to uphold in order to help you efficiently accomplish your mission you know so when you look at these things things that really bug me now move forward they wanted women to graduate it was a directive that came down uh through congress that we need women with a ranger tab send women through ranger school well ranger in order to get in ranger school you have to be in a combat arms type mos well women weren't necessarily left in in combat arms moss Mm -hmm. a few of them uh, that would qualify to go, but the standards were so rigorous that you didn't make it. When I went to jump school, we started out with a class of over 400. Mm-hmm. We lost, I think, 132 on the first day. Wow. People dropped out. They couldn't take it. The first day, mm-hmm. we only graduated, I think, like 113 total out of mm. a class well over 400. And most of them went out in the first week. Hmm, That's crazy. Because they test you. They don't want the week to be there. In order to graduate then, now it's it's changed. They've lowered the standards. Mm -hmm. So now if you put forth effort in in jump school, well, you're going to get your wings. Same thing with ranger school. They put women through there two or three times. It never happened. None none of them could graduate. Couldn't even get through first phase. Mm Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, a couple made it through first phase, but they didn't make it through second phase. There's three phases of ranger school. Okay. Um, And then a couple made it to the third phase, but then washed out in third phase. Then there was a period of time where they didn't have any women go into ranger school. And then some of the women who had washed out before 
came back mysteriously Mm -hmm. and made it all the way through. Now I have friends who were instructors in ranger school at that period of time. Mm -hmm. They were forced to lower the standards to make sure these women graduated ranger school. Wow. So they could get that ranger tab. Mm -hmm. The Marine Corps, matter of fact, General Mattis, Mm -hmm. Mad Dog Mattis, when he was the commandant and when he ran the Marine Corps, he said, we will not lower standards for women to go through infantry school. Good for him. We will not, absolutely will not. Once he was out of the picture, guess what the infantry school in the Marine Corps did? Oh, I, I know. Yeah. They lowered standards. They lowered standards. Yep. Now, do I have a problem with women in the infantry? Absolutely not. As long as their infantry platoon and their infantry company is nothing but women. Yeah. But no, they want to integrate them in with men. If I'm wounded somewhere on a battlefield, do you think some little 115-pound woman's going to be able to carry my big body off or drag me to safety? Well, not at your current weight. <laughs> you, had that, to ta- you had to take a shot, didn't hey, you? Hey, you walked into you, that one. <laughs> okay, in my prime. Oh, in your prime. Well, yeah. even then, no. Even it, then. I they're mean, not going to be able even to. Even in my fittest, at my, at, at, in my older years, you know, a 200-pound man carrying a bunch of, uh, of gear, carrying another 130 pounds of gear and, and ammunition, do you think that little 115-pound woman is going to be able to drag me in, no. into safety? No, absolutely no. not. Well, and again, I, I and women have been but, some of the but, women unit women armies throughout history. You go back into uh, European history, into Troy, into uh, the 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 battles where uh, armies fought Genghis Khan. Where you look all the way back into history, there have been armies of women. And let me tell you what: women make the most ruthless, brutal warriors out there. So I don't want anybody to understand misunderstand me as being sexist. Mm-hmm. No, I'm being practical here. Because women, they there is no mercy when you face a, a, a. They want to fight a war to make it end at any means necessary. Mm-hmm. All right, women have been ruthless throughout history, so this is not a sexist comment. It, I'm looking at it from a pract- practicality stu- standpoint. Sure, they have no. If we have to lower the standards for them, then they have no place being there. Yeah. Well, I, I would think that you, when you're in that foxhole with that person. You have to believe that they can cover, they've got your back and you've got theirs. That if you're injured, they can pull you out and vice versa. That they can support you at the same level that you'd support them. Absolutely. Or greater. Absolutely. And, you know, what brought back to my mind when you were talking about that was remember the, uh, the, what was it, the WAX, the Women's Air Corps, Mm -hmm. back in World War II? Yeah. So they started a all women's air corps, all women. You know, could a woman fighter pilot hack it with a man? I don't know. But the training standards are different. Yeah. They shouldn't be in the same category. Yeah. You yeah. know, again, not that they're, I'm saying that they're weaker or anything, but men and women are different physiologically. That That's just, that's how it is. Follow the science. Yeah. You know, and. <laughs> it's simple biology. I go back to my obology teacher, Jack Colley. He never lied. <laughs> and I believe him to this day on a lot of things. And the skeletal uh, setup, the, the muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's it's different. It is just different. And there's nothing, no agenda, no, no magic crystal ball that you rub and wish on is going to make that any different. No. It is getting so bad to the point now where I read an article that they are apparently asking people who are excavating like um, dig sites yeah. um, that if you run across bones, don't identify it as male or female because <laughs> we don't know. 
We don't know what their gender identity was. No, I'm pretty sure oh we do. Oh, my God. Look at their pelvic region. Pretty sure you can figure out what's a man and a woman. Squeeze a little DNA out, run it through that little that little microscope of yours, and yeah. I'm sure it's going to tell you exactly what they were. You know, 200 years from now, when all these trans people are dead and buried and... Yeah. You know, the next generation digs them up and goes, oh, I was a man. Oh, no, 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 no. We got to come up with some <laughs> graphics or something because I keep referring to my obology teacher. Uh-huh. When it comes to this stuff, we gotta, we've got we got to make a graphic that says, Jack Colley says, the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the fact that they are weakening our national security. Our, our national security is now at the lowest point. Not only are we not recruiting uh, uh, men for combat arms, we're also not recruiting, or we're recruiting less numbers of all of the across the board. Mm-hmm. We're lowering the standards. We're not keeping the standards. Honestly, if they keep doing this and we find ourselves in a situation, this is the fastest way that you will find us going back to a draft. You have to. They will have to start conscripting people yeah. into a military. And let me tell you what, you woke little snowflakes. If you think that your feelings get hurt because somebody raises their voice at you, Go back to the conscripted days of the draft and listen to how drill sergeants took care of problems back then. Oh, yeah. Because you had no place to go and nothing you could do about it. That's right. Welcome to the military. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a, I had a drill sergeant, and drill sergeant Horton scared the life out of my little skinny butt back mm. in those days. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When we got to our basic training unit, they, they moved us on what they call cattle cars. Okay, wow. And it looks like an old cattle car, but it's got benches in it to move masses of troops. And you, you how many people can you fit in that cattle car? One more. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. Always one. Doesn't matter how full it is. It doesn't matter if you've got to hold that person above your head. How many can you fit in the cattle car? One more. All right. And they packed us in there like sardines. And I'll never forget, we got in front of our company. And Drill Sergeant Horton got on there. And I mean, he was a big, scary looking dude. And he Kinda said, like Jeff? He said, uh, Oh no, Jeff's a Jeff, Jeff's a. Never mind. I won't. I, I won't say I'm bad about Jeff. Jeff's a good guy. But I love you, Jeff. Yeah, just messing with you. No, but Drill Sergeant Horton was just a, a mean, pissed off dude. Yeah, he was just not happy in life. Period. And we were in his way. Mm. You know. And he stood on there and he said, "You've got five seconds to get off my cattle car, and three of them just expired." <laughs> and you mean? And let me tell you what: you never seen sixty young guys with no experience in life whatsoever trip over each other trying to pile off that car because we were all equally and collectively scared crapless of Drill Sergeant Horton. All right, so there was a guy who was thirty-three years old, joined the military late in life. And he thought because he was older, he didn't have to do what everybody else did. Mm-hmm. And he bucked up on Drill Sergeant Horton one time. Drill Sergeant Horton closed the door behind him. And it was the awfulest Royal Rumble, WrestleMania kind of noises coming out of that latrine that mm-hmm. you've ever heard in your life. And let me tell you what, you've never met a more complacent little whipped puppy <laughs> than that 33-year-old man was after Drill Sergeant Horton got done with him. Wow. He had no place to run. No place to hide. Mm-hmm. And Drill Sergeant Horton looked at every one of us and says, if I beat the shit out of you, pointed at one guy, mm-hmm. and looked over to the next guy and goes, are you going to tell on me? No, Drill Sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and nobody did. Mm-hmm. And that dude learned his lesson. If you think for a second 
you wimpy little panty waist snowflakes out there who think that this new kinder general g- gentler military is just still too tough for you you wait till we get to the point where they have to start conscripting people and you get a draft number and you have to go yeah you have no idea the hell you're 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 uh, in in lieu for let me tell you because that's when the military will change back to the old way when the draft was in place well, I think that one of the reasons that, one of the reasons that we're going that way with going this way with the military in terms of wokeness is because we've 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 taken our eye off the ball, we've lost our focus. Right now, the only ball that our eye is on is on climate change. <laughs> you know, when was it John Kirby, the uh, spokesperson for the was it the Navy, comes yeah. out there and says that you know climate change is the number one enemy to this country, the number one problem. That's your problem. Yeah, the enemy is North Korea. The enemy is Russia. The enemy is China. Do Though, I, that's the enemy. Do we have to agree with Mitt Romney? Yeah, I'm going to agree with him right now. Yeah, absolutely. How sad this is time. that? I know. I'm <laughs> that's pitiful. But, but, but that's who the enemy is. But just like I said on the Wednesday show this past week, I'll go back to the, the words of the late, great Rush Limbaugh when he said, climate change is not real. It's the great hoax. Mm-hmm. It is the great lie. When you take a model of man-made predictions, man-made predictions, and put them into a computer to let the computer create a model of the world we're going to be in, it is nothing but a theory. That's all it is. Yeah. And they have turned that theory into a business. And that business is making people uber rich right now and putting chains on all of us. That's right. You know? And while we're changed with this climate change uber hoax Right now, our national security is at the lowest it could possibly be because our military numbers are at such a low number and will not meet their required uh, 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 figures by the end of this year. Well, when they can say that climate change is the number one national security threat, you got to believe every country in the world, including Sri Lanka, oh my God. is laughing at us. Yeah. And Sh- how stupid Sh- we Sh- are. Sri Lanka's got no room to laugh at anybody right now. Right. Didn't their, their palace, presidential palace, get invaded recently? Yeah, or yeah. Oh, it's definitely the people's house there now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw pictures of people in the president's pool. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Know? But my point is that we have, we've lost sight of the true picture. Yeah. Because we are, we are, we're, we're like a dog who sees a bright object. Or oh, a squirrel. Yeah. squirrel. And, and we just squirrel. Go and a squirrel's climate change. And we're going after it wholeheartedly because it's part of that leftist agenda. And you know, it's leading us out on the weakest branch of the tree. It is. Yeah. And when that branch finally cracks, yeah, this country's done. Yeah. It's done as we know it, that's for sure. Yeah. Because once we get beyond, uh, once the further out on that limb we get, the weaker we get. And it, then, you're, then you're just beholden to anybody that comes along because we have no national security. We have no infrastructure. We have nobody who has been trained to put it together the correct way and uh, just the corrupt way. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely flabbergasted at what my, what my army has become. You know, I lay ownership to the United States Army. Just like my buddy Joe can lay ownership to the United States Marine Corps 34 years of his life. Mm. Wow. All right? Uh, you know, I've got uh, my, my classmate from Hayside High School, Mark, who went in as an E-1, an enlisted man, who is now a Fulberg colonel in the Air Force, he has ownership of the United States Air Force. You know, um, 
I've got people in all branches. You know, old Blue, an old buddy of mine from you know from Iraq, who started off his his career, military career in the Navy, and then transitioned over to the Army. He owns mm. two branches of the U.S. military. Right. You know, I mean, you've got somebody. Any, if you've served, you you have ownership. And if you do not have enough pride in the ownership of our branches of the military, God help you, because right now we're watching it go. Everything that we worked, sweated, and bled for, everything that our forefathers, everything that the legacy of, uh, after us and before us died for, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely nothing. It's it's pitiful. It breaks my heart. I'm. Yeah. I'm in a place in life where, holy cow, what do you do? Something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. You know? So, and it all starts at the top. The commander-in-chief. He, he sets the, the agenda. It, it disgusts me that he has the same title that George Washington had. Yeah. You know? Mm. Absolutely disgusts me. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Look what he's done with it. The same thing he's done with the rest of our country. Our national security is in the crapper. Our economy is in the crapper. Mm-hmm. Our our face in the world, world leaders all over this globe are laughing at us, mm-hmm. is in the crapper. And it all leads back to one face of an administration, and that's Sleepy Joe. Yeah. Somebody get that man his ice cream and put him to bed. It's time for the adults to take over. There is one good. There's one bright spot, though. Oh my God! What is it? I need a bright spot right the now. The bright spot is that we've still got Kamala Harris. Thanks everybody for joining us tonight <laughs> in the Liberty Room. I think uh, the hour must have gotten late again because <laughs> Dwight over is spewing out some kind of insanity. That's too much coffee. Is what it was, <laughs> but not enough. Oh, my goodness. Again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in with us this week. We hope uh, you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, you know, the best the, – it's, it's sad that this episode is ending, but don't you worry. The beauty in it all is we'll have another episode next Friday at noon. Yeah. So, you know, just count down the minutes, the seconds, and the days, and another episode of The Liberty Room will be on every Friday around noon o'clock. Don't forget, that's where you hear us, but where you can see me, well, that's Wednesdays with Jim. Every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock live. I can't wait. Where you can be part of the conversation. Don't you worry. If you don't have Facebook, which I know a lot of you don't, Google's free. Mm-hmm. All right? So go over to Google the Google machine and make sure you go find YouTube because it's free also. All right? So go get on the YouTube site. Make sure you find us down thegymwood.com. That's the website that will get you to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Telegram. That's the five platforms that we simulcast from. Also, thelibertyroom.com, that's the website where you get to everything Jim and Dwight for here in the Liberty Room. Some of the insanity, like Dwight just spewed out, I don't understand. I'm so confused right now. I was just (laughs) saying something realistic. Yeah, and something happened to her. Guess who's after her? Oh, gosh. The Swamp Monster. Yeah, swinging udders herself, Nancy (laughs) Pelosi. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Yeah, I said that was it. Good. I meant it. Have you seen the picture of her in the bathing suit? Yes, I can't unsee. Oh that my god, that's that's what they need to use on the prisoners at Gitmo. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, you want this a is, pin-up? This is what your seventy-two virgins will look like. <laughs> Wait, you want a pinup poster? Here you go. <laughs> Think of, that's your seventy-two virgins, seventy-two Nancy Pelosi's in a oh bathing suit. Oh my gosh, that's enough to keep me from becoming Muslim. <laughs> 
It might keep me from sleeping tonight. <laughs> no anyway, kidding. don't forget thelibertyroom.com. That's where you share the the everything uh, Liberty Room, Jim and Dwight, on all different uh, podcast platforms. Uh, and that also is on Spotify, Google, Apple. I say I'm going slow just so I can remember Box all of them. Uh, no, not Boxcast. No. Overcast. Overcast. Castbox. Oh, cast Anchor. Box. And don't forget our newest partners over at iHeartRadio. We're so tickled and happy to have the, all these fine podcast partners uh, partner up with uh, me and my brother Dwight here on the Liberty Room. And like I said, thelibertyroom.com. That's where you link to all those podcast providers. So share it with all your friends. Wednesdays with Jim every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. TheJimWood.com is the website. The Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight. Every Friday at noon, thelibertyroom.com. That's the website for that. Did we forget anything? Yeah, Jim for Waynesboro.com, 24-7, Jim in a suit. Me dressed up. That's right. That's worth the price of Go admission right there. Go see it. I'm a damn good-looking dude. I wouldn't go that far with, but you do you do clean up pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I will go that. that far. I'm a damn good-looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> on, that note, on that note, I'm starting the music. We're going to end with a Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> See you next week, everybody.